Today's Bible reading comes from Luke chapter 11, verse 1 to 13. And in your blue Bibles, it's on page 1042. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to, come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Good morning. Now sometimes I know when you hear a talk on prayer, they talk about being able to bring all sorts of requests, big things and small things, to God in dependence on him, which is a good and right thing to do. The God who numbers every single hair on our heads certainly cares about the small things. He might even care about whether you get that parking space or pass that exam. But that's not what we're going to be talking about this morning. Because today we get to listen in on this prayer masterclass, I suppose you'd call it, that Jesus gives to his disciples and he's focusing on something else. Uh, the scene is set for us very quickly by Luke in this account. Uh, one day Jesus happens to be praying to God and the disciples, they see him, maybe they even overhear him. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And who knows exactly why they ask, but one of them, maybe they see something different about how Jesus prays and how Jesus talks to God. Maybe it was a topic they hadn't gone much into before. And they were curious. Uh, the text even suggests that maybe they'd been talking with some of John the Baptist's disciples and apparently John the Baptist had been teaching his disciples how to pray and well, the, the Jesus' disciples might have wanted to get in on some of that action too. Either way, one of Jesus' disciples asked him in verse 1. You see there, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, Luke chapter 11, verse 1, and when he'd finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. 
I'm glad they ask him. I'm glad Luke records it for us. Because to be honest, I need help in my prayer life. And thinking about what Jesus says about prayer in this last week, preparing this talk has been really good for me. At different points in my Christian life, I've had different struggles with prayer. Uh, For a while, I was really infrequent in my praying. Everyone knows how to pray when they're in trouble. But I just found I wasn't praying all that much. And to fix that, I tried to put into place, um, you know, making a routine, a habit that I sort of tried to get myself into that I'd set aside a special time in the day that I'd pray. For me, during my uh, university days, that time was my train trip home from uni. I didn't do it in the morning because at uh, Penno Station, I just saw too many people in the morning that I sort of knew, and so I just kept on getting interrupted. So uh, for me, it was coming home because I finished classes at really odd times and I never saw anyone, uh, and so I wouldn't get interrupted. But then I found a new problem because I was pretty good at sticking to a routine once it was started. But I had this routine and it started feeling like I was just going through the motions some days. I knew it was good to pray, so I did, but you know, some days it just felt a bit forced. I was just praying for the same things over and over again without much passion, I suppose. And so prayer became something I felt like I had to do instead of something that I wanted to do, something that I look forward to doing. In talking with our Heavenly Father, should be as natural and easy as breathing. We should be like uh, dolphins. My two-and-a-half-year-old loves animals, and uh, a little while ago she learnt the word for dolphin, and so now every single fish she sees, she points at it and goes, dolphin, dolphin, it's a dolphin. And she's wrong, isn't she? Dolphins aren't fish. They're not. I mean, they live in the water, they, they swim like fish. But they breathe air like you and me. They don't have gills. And so dolphins, apparently some dolphins hold their breath for up to, what, 30 minutes at a time without having to come up for some air. It's pretty impressive. But you know, just like I know, if they don't surface after that time, they drown, don't they? And like dolphins, we need to come up to breathe every so often. We need to come up and pray if we don't want to drown. It should come as easy and natural as breathing. But I know it doesn't always feel like that. And so what I'm hoping uh, this morning, the Jesus teaching on prayer here in Luke 11 will do for us, is that it might help to breathe some new life into our prayer lives, especially for some of us who are struggling. So uh, please join me in prayer as we come to look at what Jesus has to say to us. Would you pray? Father, we ask that you would please work in us by your Spirit, through your Word, and even this morning, teach us again how to pray. We ask in his name. Amen. If you find prayer boring, maybe it is because the way you pray is boring. Maybe you pray too small. The way Jesus teaches his disciples to pray here is anything but. He teaches his disciples here to pray big. 
Say in verse 2. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Uh, The Lord's Prayer, as it's become known, uh, is a very handy prayer. Not necessarily that you have to recite it word for word, like some people do. But if you look at it, the themes are incredible. And even though it looks small, this version here in Luke is particularly small compared to the one we find in Matthew. But the content is huge. Let's work through it and imagine if we prayed like this. Even that first line, Father, hallowed be your name. That means asking God to make it so that his name is honoured and treated with honour in our world. And you know the kind of world that we live in. There are some pretty hard hearts out there. What would it take for people to see God as God? What would it take to, to see evangelism be effective in our world, in your family, amongst our friends? And for an end to people's cynicism and pride, for individuals and whole people groups to bow the knee to God in your school or in your workplace or in our country, in our world. That is a huge prayer. We're asking, if we're praying this prayer, we're asking that God's rule, his kingdom, to become a reality for more and more people. Who without him, we're a million miles away. And it's urgent, and it it gets pretty personal quickly, doesn't it? Because you know people, and you love people, who aren't there yet. They don't treat God as God, they don't honour him like they should, they aren't part of his kingdom. Not yet. So Jesus says, when you pray, pray for them. Pray big. And Jesus teaches them, he keeps going, when you pray, pray big for your own Christian community. Pray that we'd be a little slice of heaven right here on earth. Notice that for the rest of the Lord's Prayer, so in verse 3 and 4, it becomes a collective prayer as opposed to an individual prayer. You see that? It's asking, give us, not give me, but give us, forgive us, lead us. So the scope is communal. Pray for our church. Pray for the Christians that you know that we would be a slice of heaven here on earth. In that we've got our needs met. In that we've got our sins forgiven. In that we've got reconciliation, that we're forgiving each other. And that's a big prayer because you know how far we've got to go. You don't have to live long in Christian community before you realise that we still hurt each other. There's plenty of rough edges. It's hard work forgiving each other when we've been hurt. It's hard to keep trusting God, full stop. I mean, that's been the struggle of God's people since pretty much forever. You track it through uh, the story of Abraham's family and the story of Israel and the story of the prophets and the story of the disciples. It's hard to keep trusting Jesus in our kind of world, with our kind of hearts. 
So we're meant to pray that we'll all keep standing strong together. And at different times, you'll be aware of different parts of our community, different members of our body that are in danger and in places where they might be compromised. Temptations will come. That's a given. And so we should be concerned and we should be praying for those of us who are spiritually prone to weakness. And we are also weak at different times, aren't we? We need God's protection. We need God's strength. We need sometimes, really, God to spare us. And so do you see how this little prayer really is a big prayer? It's not small stuff. It's not parking spaces and exams. It's life and death. Spiritual life and spiritual death for our world and for our church. Jesus teaches us that to get involved in these sorts of things, to pray, we should be praying about things that matter. Is that asking too much? You know, is that... Is that too much? Uh, Who are we to stick our noses into the affairs of a sovereign God and his big purposes for our world? We'd be way out of our league, except for the fact that God invites us in and says, pray, ask, be bold. Be bold when you pray for God to move in big ways, in impossible ways. You see what Jesus says next uh, in verse 5. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside says, Don't bother me, the door is already locked. My children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he's his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, He'll get up and give him as much as he needs. Now, I know many of you have incredible gifts of hospitality. You wouldn't be caught dead without a full spread if you've got a friend coming over. So maybe you'd understand the tension that Jesus is setting up here in this scenario. I've heard that apparently Near Eastern hospitality is amazing. There's nothing quite like it, even compared to Southeast Asian or Western hospitality. The Near East is probably the friendliest place you're going to go if you're going to visit. When you have a guest in your home and you're in the Near East, you go above and beyond what most of us would consider to be acceptable, you know, adequate for catering for someone's needs. So you can imagine the embarrassment of this man that Jesus makes up in this scenario where he has a friend on a journey who just drops by late in the day. It's a guest in his home. It sounds like it could be an unexpected sort of visit. He's been caught out. But anyway, they're here in the house and there's nothing in the pantry. You've got not even a, a piece of bread to give your friend who's dropped by. They've come all this way and you're not going to let them go hungry, are you? So what do you do? It's the middle of the night. There's no food. But you remember, you saw your neighbour, you have a friend who, you know, they had some fresh bread cooling on the windowsill in the afternoon. You knew that was there. So surely you could just pop over 
You can knock on the door and borrow some food to, to give to your friend. Only it's really quite late, isn't it? It's midnight. The doors are locked, the lights are out. It's way past an acceptable hour to be knocking on someone's door. So there's the tension. You, got, you want to be hospitable, you want to be uh, welcoming, you want to have something to set before your friend, you don't want to lose face there. But then on the other hand, to get the food that you need, you need to knock on someone else's door in the middle of the night to wake them up, to drag them out of bed to give you a bit of food. It's a lose-lose sort of situation. In this case, the decision is you can't let your friend go hungry. So hospitality wins. He chooses to bang on the neighbor's door. A grumpy neighbor is not happy. You can imagine. Imagine someone doing that to you, knocking on your door in the middle of the night, ringing you on your phone, wanting to borrow a cup of sugar. You know, waking the kids up, disturbing your sleep. No, you're not going to be impressed, are you? doesn't matter who it is, whether it's your friend or not, they've dragged you out of bed at some ungodly hour, you're going to be annoyed. But you can't really ignore it, can you? Because there they are, banging on your door, they're ringing your phone, they're, they're hassling you, they're making a racket. You're going to open the door, you're going to eventually pick up the phone, even if it's just a scream at them. You're going to find out what they want, what they need, what the disaster is. And as unimpressed as you're going to be, when they tell you they just want a loaf of bread, you're already up, aren't you? And so you're going to give them what they want, aren't you? Otherwise they're going to keep on knocking, they're going to keep on hassling you. You might just give them what they're after to shut them up so they'll go away. What's the point in this story? Verse 9. Jesus continues, So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And whoever knocks, the door will be opened. You've got to ask. The point isn't that God's some grumpy neighbour who we have to keep hassling. God never sleeps. He never slumbers. He's not grumpy. But if even a sleepy neighbour will get up because you know, you're bold enough to knock on his door, how much more God? He, as we've been singing all morning, is good and willing. If only you'd be so bold as to ask. And he's really not like a grumpy neighbour who you have to drag out of bed to get anything out of. He's our Heavenly Father, good and generous and kind. Look at verse 11. Which of you, fathers, if your son asks you for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I don't think this passage is saying that God's going to give us whatever we ask for 100% of the time. That 
hasn't been my experience. You know, my wife and I, we've been praying for some things long and hard and earnestly that God hasn't given. And you have to trust God and His timing and His wisdom. Maybe sometimes without even knowing, we're asking for scorpions and snakes. And God says, no, I'm giving you fish and eggs because I love you. And if you look closely at verse 13, you might find a little surprise there. Uh, Verse 13 doesn't quite read how you think it should. Uh, The example, as we've seen, is that uh, Jesus is comparing God to a human father. So the verse says, uh, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give And you expect it to say there, give good gifts to those who ask him, because that would be the exact parallel. But it doesn't say that, does it? Instead, it says, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Not good gifts, but the Holy Spirit. Why would it say that? I think it ties back to the start of the chapter and what Jesus was saying when he was teaching them to pray in the first place. He's teaching them how to pray and to ask, not for small things, not even for good things, but for the best things. About big, bold prayers that God's kingdom would come, that people would treat God as they should. And that God's people would know his provision and forgiveness and transformation and power. The Lord's Prayer. And you know what? Those things only happen through the Spirit of God. The answer to the things in the Lord's Prayer is the Spirit of God working in all manner of ways that you ask him to. Ask him to be at work in incredible ways amongst us in our world, and it will be given to you. Seek the coming of the kingdom of God and you will find it. Knock and the doors of forgiveness and transformation will be opened to you. So, will you pray and pray big this week? I will pray for you Please pray for me. I'm not saying that as a pastor. I mean, yes, my job is to preach and to pray. But in our church, we believe that, you know, pastors like me, our role is to prepare the whole family of God for acts of service. We've all got a part to play in this. To be concerned for the spiritual health of God's church and the spiritual health of God's world. And there'll be people you're aware of that I may not be. There'll be definitely places and things in our world that you're aware of, people in our world that I'm not aware of. We need to be praying, all of us. It's the health of our church and the health of our world, spiritually speaking, that should drive us to our knees. Start today. You'd know in your bulletins every month, Ruth goes to a lot of effort to compile a list of prayer notes Make some effort, won't you, to put it somewhere safe this month. 
somewhere where you'll see it. Even over lunch today, don't just eat. Food's always good, you know that. But it's an opportunity for us to sit and eat together. Keep your ears open, won't you? To hear where and how you might be able to pray that the Spirit of God might be at work. And listen out for if people are heading into places where there's going to be danger, there's going to be temptation. Lots of us are in different stages of life. As, um, as David led us through the prayer, there's some of us who are young, some of us with families, with kids, some of us who've just gotten married, some of us who are a bit older, some of us who are not well. In all those situations, there's opportunities for the Spirit to grow us. And at the same time, there's opportunities for us to be tempted and to be led astray. Be aware, won't you? Listen. Talk to each other about things that really matter. And pray. Amen. Don't we see again and again in God's word as we look at the life of Jesus the importance of prayer. Jesus prayed over and over again. If it was important for him, shouldn't it also be for us, his followers, to be people of prayer? So as we finish this morning, let us focus on the one who teaches to pray, the one in whose name we pray. We look to Jesus as we sing.